Hey, hey, hey. This is the Michigan Maniac Podcast. Uh, this is just an off-season little episode. Uh, it might go a little longer than what I like for a news drop, so we're just going to go off-season episode. Uh, my The host here, Adam Brewer, that's me. You go ahead and check us out at the Michigan Maniac Podcast fan page on Facebook. Uh, you know, this is where I find anything interesting about Michigan. I put it there. We can enjoy it, talk about it. I love all kinds of strong personalities, no personalities, whatever. If you just want to like it, if you want to put down what you think of it is, even if you don't like what I say, I'm good with that. I like people just expressing how they feel. Because, I'll be honest, the guys I talk to and the ladies I talk to on that fan page are very well informed. And I love every angle they come with. And trust me, I will tell you if I don't agree. And if I screw up, I I like to think that I own up to it. So, hit that up, check it out. Any platform you listen to us on, please leave a review. Please just say how great we are if you don't like it. You know... Stop listening. <laughs> there's there's plenty of Michigan podcasts you can listen to that I'm sure will cater to your likes. Um, so let's get into this. So this episode will be the uh, the origin story of how I became a Michigan fan. Also, my side chick, uh, Big Ten team, my big team. Is if just in case, like say some. I never realized how great the Michigan Wolverines were, and I picked another team, or if I was ever going to cheat on the Michigan Wolverines, which I would never do, but that's why it's the side chick. Um, I'm Italian, so the guma of uh, of football teams. I'll go over that. Uh, but yeah, I've, I've had a few people go over and ask me on the Michigan, Michigan Maniacs fan page, well, you live in Arizona, you grew up in Denver, how the hell are you a Michigan Wolverine fan? It's very simple. All right. Uh, it's going to sound silly. I actually told a girl this the other day and she laughed. Uh, she might be a person of retard because she is an Ohio State fan, even though she seems to only like Ohio State because she came from Ohio. She couldn't tell me shit about anything else. So, like I said, like most Ohio State fans. Uh, so, 83. I was about eight years old. Jim Harbaugh was the quarterback of the Michigan Wolverines. Now, that really didn't mean much to me at the time. Uh, I loved football in general. That was has always been my sport. We had John Elway. That was the year John Elway was uh, drafted. That's when football really took off for me because I was at least old enough to understand what football was. I mean, from what my dad tells me, from the time I was just a little boy, I, I always had a football with me. I always liked football jerseys, whatever. But <laughs> being that young, I was eight, I believe. Um, I loved, here's one thing that always gets you into my heart. I love helmets. I love the NFL. I love football helmets in general. If you have a cool football helmet, I would, once I get my son out of here and he goes into the Navy, which is going to happen in June, I'm going to start collecting football helmets, and I'm going to put them all over my effing house because I love them. That was the one thing I truly loved putting on when I played football. It, it really locked me in to being a football player, putting on that helmet, getting wrapped up. The whole 
just like the whole couple hours before the game really was just a love that I had for this game. Anyways, football helmets were my thing. And I don't care, and most of you guys understand this. Michigan Wolverines have the greatest football helmet in the history of football helmets. Like, there is no greater football helmet. Like, even the home jersey, the home uniform in general, is probably the greatest home uniform I have ever seen in my young life. And in my old life. I'm 42 years old. There is nothing better. I get stoked just seeing that helmet come up on my Twitter feed, my Instagram, my Facebook. Anytime I see the Michigan helmet, I get excited. If you've ever seen the movie, um, what is, oh, better, uh, Best of Times. It's with Kurt Russell and Robin Williams. There's a portion in that movie where they're replaying an old high school game. I'm not going to go into it. But the coach says, are you horny to win? Motherfuckers, I am horny to win every time I see that fucking helmet. That is just one of the great uniforms in college football. I mean, there are a few great uniforms in college football. And that doesn't mean I like them all, but I do respect it when I see it. Tradition, that's what I love the most. Penn State don't like them, but tradition, great uniform. USC, great uniform. US, UCLA, great uniform. Uh, the U. If there is a, one team that I could cheat on Michigan with outside of the big, it would be the U. I have, there is a certain part of me that is very flashy, very, I'm going to talk shit in your face because that's what I did when I played football. And it speaks to me. I would love to be, uh, I love, love the U. Love them. I don't, no, trust me, it pales in the comparison and love that I have for the Michigan Wolverines. Like I said, I love more, I love the Michigan Wolverine football team more than I love some family members. And I'm not kidding. I would rather watch or listen to anything about Michigan than talk to some of my own family members. But though you had some classic players that you just have to love. That 2000, uh, 2000 to 2002, uh, Mich uh, not Michigan, but Miami Hurricane teams might have been the best constructed college football team I've ever seen in my life. But let's get back to Michigan. My favorite players, why I love Michigan so much. I love Jimmy Harbaugh. One hell of a quarterback. Always talking shit, never backing down. Ty Law, are you kidding me? Ty Law, Charles Woodson, come on. There is no better shit talker in the world, next to Frank Clark maybe, but Charles Woodson was one of the all-time great shit talkers we've ever had. I love Charles Woodson. All these, all these guys mixing in with the soup that made me the Michigan fan that I am. And it didn't matter that I lived in Denver because, I'll be honest, the, the CU Buffaloes or the Colorado State Rams or the Air Force Falcons, they would come on early in the morning or late in the afternoon. But the Michigan game, most of the time in Denver, Colorado, was played. And that was prime time viewing for this guy right here. 
It also helped that my mom married a guy from Detroit. Uh, great dude. Richard was one of the best guys I've ever met. Great supporter. He was a huge Michigan fan. We still talk about Michigan football to this day. Um, he came to my football games when he didn't have to. Fantastic man. Just a fantastic guy. And that also helped solidify my love for the team. I mean, but you get hooked with Jimmy Harbaugh and you just grow up and you see the talent that Michigan constantly got on those teams and the flamboyancy in some of them. But that's what I like. It's flamboyant, but it's also controlled because you have the coach who is the the figurehead, the leader, the overall dad of the team. He controlled those guys. And that's what it was. It was awesome. It was just great to see that you could have a personality and still play for a great team and still be respectful and still be all those great things that I truly cherish on a football team. That's one part about the U I didn't really like is that they were rebellious to the nth degree, going past respect. That's part of it that I didn't like. That's why I've always been a Michigan fan. But, you know, the U... Um, like I said, uh, hell, even awful Alabama has classic football uniforms. Uh, Auburn loved watching Bo Bo Jackson play, but that's where I came from. I I watched old school football, and you can't get much better old school football than watching the Michigan Wolverines play old school football. Between the tackles, just block your dude and beat him up, punch him in the mouth type football. I loved it. That's how I grew up. That's what I love. That's just who I am. So, yes, I grew up in Denver, and I, but Michigan was always it because of their helmet. And then after that, it was just Jimmy Harbaugh hooking me in, and then everyone else after that just leading me along. And then it didn't take long for me to fall in love and just be a diehard Michigan Wolverine fan. It just, it wasn't. I mean, they're the greatest team ever, in my opinion. And that's, I mean, hell, that's why I do this this podcast, right? That's just the way it goes. Um, but that's how it happened. And it just keeps getting better. You know, I mean, I am thankful that I did this podcast because it's only helped the love for this team even grow more. I pay more attention to this team than I have ever done before just so I can make a better podcast for everybody who's listening. So, yes, I love this team. I That's how I happen. 83. Jim Harbaugh, I started watching because I loved their helmets, I loved their home uniforms, and it just grew from there. It's my, it may sound silly, but I was eight. What are you going to do, you know? Um, also, uh, let's get on to the, my side chick team out of the Big Ten, and I'm sure we all have it. Maybe you don't, but there are some teams in the Big Ten that over time I've enjoyed certain players that have come out of those teams. Right, and there's no team I respect and re- and really enjoyed more because I I have three players that I loved, and when they played college there, was one Rod Woodson, two Mike Allstott, and three, uh, Drew Brees, and all three of them are going to be Hall of Famers, and that's the University of Purdue. I, I know it's rare, it's weird, not a lot of people like Purdue. Let's get back to the helmet discussion. Their helmet's pretty decent. Uh, 
I think it's funny that Drew Brees ends up with the team, a professional team that has the, the same school color concept that he had at Purdue. But I digress. But the P with the the black P with the gold helmet, it's a good look. It really is a good look. And then they go all black. That's that's a badass look right there. I'm telling you, it's sweet. But Drew Brees just killing it in college. Like I, that was the main time that I was really watching it. Because he was there from uh, 97 to 2000. Uh, as we all know, Tommy Boy Brady was there. And that's about the same time frame that Tommy was there. So we were all watching it, loving Michigan football. We were dominating the fucking Big Ten. But there was one team that always played us tough. And that was Purdue. Always. I mean, Breeze, for his career, just to give you an idea, his quarterback rating was 132 out of his four years at Purdue. And that's right. He went all four years to Purdue. Um, complete. Uh, he had 1,026 completions uh, for, or no, attempts for 1,678 completions for 11,792 yards, 90 touchdowns, and 45 interceptions. Uh, it's phenomenal to me. If we could get... If we could get Shea Patterson to have the kind of year that Drew Brees had his sophomore year in 98, he had 3,900 yards, 3,983 to be exact, with 39 touchdowns and 20 interceptions. I would, it's not like we don't have the talent to do it. I mean, this is Shea's year if he's going to do it. And to be honest, I think he can. I think Dylan's going to play out of his gourd, and I think Dylan McCaffrey's going to give him a shot. He's really going to give him a fight for that starting position. I don't think it's a lock for Shea, but I'll tell you, a second-year kid, which is what happens to be the greatest Michigan quarterback that uh, Jim Harbaugh's ever had, and it's probably Jim Harbaugh 2.0 if you really look at how Shea plays the game. The only thing I don't like about Shea that – uh, Jimmy always did was Jim Harbaugh played up in big games. Shea Patterson this year now is one year seems to disappear or underthrow balls in big games. Ohio State the bowl game. Uh, I'll, I'm going to discount the Notre Dame game only because that was his first time going from a child's offense to a big boy offense. So I want, I want to go past that. I want to let that go. But anyways, getting back to Breeze. I loved him, loved the way he approached the game. I loved how cerebral ah, cerebral he was and just the overall good guy that he was. Now also, now going to my second favorite. Now I watch, I'll tell you, when I watch a running back run, I love a big dude who just run dudes over. And, I mean, hits the hole and makes you pay or hits the hole and is gone. And, like, I'm a big Bo Jackson fan. Even though he was a Raiders fan and I grew up a Bronco guy, still, watching Bo Jackson run, it was was phenomenal. It was like grace. The, The most graceful run I've ever seen was either Gale Sayers or Marcus Allen. But, I digress, but still... I've never seen power and grace mixed into one guy like I did with Bo Jackson. A-Train was another guy. Hell, I was even a Chris Thomas fan. That dude, I didn't think get enough play with Michigan. Uh, we I, we could do a whole episode on how Chris... Uh, yeah, it was Chris Thomas, wasn't it? Number eight? 
Chris Perry? Was it Chris Perry? I'm, I've been a little gooned up, so I might have uh, forgotten the last name, but I believe it's Perry now. Chris Perry. Either way, number eight was phenomenal. I, I know, listen, I don't always write down all my stats. I freeball a lot of this stuff, you know what I mean? And I get a little gooned up. It's a fucking Friday night at, a, at midnight. You know, what do you expect from your boy? Anyways, Chris Perry, phenomenal running back. Anyways, Mike Allstott. That dude, for me, was one of the best running backs I have ever seen run in college football because that guy had power, he had size, he had speed. Just If you don't believe me, look up Mike Allstott's uh, highlight reel, and you're going to see nothing but power, speed, and size. That's the way it goes. If we could get a re, like a uh, a kid who, that's why I like Zach Charbonnet, to, to be honest. He has the size, 6'2", 225. He's got the speed. I think he's like a 4'4", 4'5 guy. And I, it looks like, when I look at his high, his highlight reel, but this is high school, it looks like he's got the power and speed to go with it. Like the cut, move, bang, you're gone. I like that. Big fan of that. I think that's where he's going to be. But Mike Allsoft for me, I mean, for God's sakes, he was there from 92 to 95. His best year for me was 90, year 95. He had 243 rushes for 1436. And how many touchdowns? He had 11 touchdowns with an average of 5.9 yards per carry. Per carry, he was getting you almost 6 yards a carry. He averaged that 5.9 for his junior and senior year. I think his senior year was 1,100 yards rushing. Not as great as his, as his uh, well, his senior wasn't as great as his junior. But still, he was fighting off some injuries from what I looked at. Um, but, dude, he went into the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and he effing crushed it. I loved watching that dude run. And I saw him in person. A buddy of mine is a doctor out here in Arizona. He used to uh, uh, offer up his services uh, while the Arizona Cardinals were still at the uh, what was it, Sun Devil Stadium. And they would give him uh, sideline passes and things like that. Well, I'm good friends. I got a sideline pass. I was able to watch Mike Allstott be on the same field as that dude. He is a beast. One of his legs was two of mine. That's how beastly this guy was. Phenomenal. And I wonder what it could have, what his career could have been like if he didn't have neck problems. But the way you run like that, a battering ram, you're going to have neck problems. The guy was phenomenal. I loved him. I loved. I loved the brutality of football in some ways. It's just so poetic. The way they hit, bounce off, run. Just it's it's uh, it's more aggressive ballet to me. I love it. Um, also, then now we're getting into the dude that I love, that I absolutely effing love, Rod fucking Woodson. There has to be something with the last name Woodson that just makes you a fantastic defensive back because Charles Woodson next to Ty Law. I was one of my favorite defensive backs of all time. And I think Amory Thomas is going to be the next one. I really am super stoked about Amory Thomas. Miles Sims, I still need to see something. I've heard so much about this guy, but I've seen nothing from him. So I can't wait to see what this kid does. But Amory Thomas, I think he's the next great Michigan cornerback. 
Um, but Charles Woodson, Rod Woodson, phenomenal. He had 11 career interceptions with uh, with Purdue, which I think is either tops or second in all time. Now, granted, it's Purdue. They it's not like they're uh, you know cornerback you or that they're ever really that good to be honest. But with Rod Woodson, you know he had a lot of return yards. Whatever. I didn't really look up that shit, but. To give you an idea, when he went to the Steelers, his career with the Steelers was effing phenomenal. Number 26, I would have built... See, now there was always the... Before I get into that, there's always the classic question. Well, of people of my age, of my ilk, right? Is, do you take... If you had a team, a defense, and you needed to build it off of one player, one cornerback, would you build it off of... Neon Deion Sanders, or would you build it off of Rod Woodson? Now, both of them, speed-wise, very comparable. I'm sure Deion Sanders was a little bit faster, and Deion shut down one side of the field. So did Rod, though. But Rod would hit you in the mouth. He'd hit you in the mouth, and he'd make you pay for it. You know what I mean? And he could still intercept. He could still got the interceptions. He still was physical. He still could run with anybody. For me, if I was ever going to start a defense, because I love physicality, I love physicality. So Rod Woodson would be the dude for me. I mean, Deion, Neon, Deion Sanders, hey, returning balls for touchdowns. If you want flash, you want show, you want all that stuff, and you want a guy who tackles like a lady with with her nails done, then Neon Dion is the guy for you. But you want a guy who's going to put his head in, in between the shoulder pads and knock the air out of you, Rod Woodson was the dude to go with phenomenal player i mean he was a two-time all-american between 85 and 86 with purdue he was let me look here uh, oh man oh he was three-time first first team big 10 84 to 86 um his career in the end now we'll go to the nfl he has um oh he had wait oh he has 13 individual records with purdue 13 individual records Trust me, it's midnight. I didn't have time to look all that stuff up. I'm sorry. But still, 13 individual records with Purdue, that's saying something. And he goes into the NFL. I mean, he's an 11-time Pro Bowler. He's a Hall of Famer. He has 71 career interceptions in the NFL. That is uh, third most, by the way, in the NFL. Uh, History-wise, third most, okay? It was just... He was that powerful, he was that fast, he was that cool, and then even when he got older, just like Charles Woodson, he went to the safety position and probably even got better. Well, I don't know better, but still, he he added two to three years onto his career because he was so smart and savvy, he knew how to play the game, how to guard wide receivers, how to still intercept the ball. Charles Woodson, same thing, phenomenal. I mean, we if we were to go through the history of Michigan football players, we have been absolutely 100% blessed outside the 8- to 10-year period where we had Rich Rod fast-break football, Rodriguez, and then Freddie Flintstone, asshole of them all. Uh, actually, Freddie Flintstone could, could uh, recruit, just couldn't coach to save his fucking life. Really, couldn't do it. Not even on a bet could he coach a good game. Um, so before I get out of here, one other thing. <laughs> and I I didn't do much research on this. 
I, this is really just going to be me airing out a little bit of my super fandom onto some people that, and it and it goes both ways. I'm a super fan of the Michigan Wolverine football team, and I would never, in a million effing years, ever think about going to another team ever. I just wouldn't do it. If I had to coach, if I was a player and a coach or a coach that had been there more than 10 years, I would never, ever think of leaving. If I was going to leave, I'd go to the Pac-12. I'd go to the NFL. I'd go anywhere but the Big Ten. I would never cheat on my beloved Wolverines like Greg Madison. Now, I know this is a conspiracy theory. And I'm usually, I, I find conspiracy theories very entertaining. I love them. Because there might be 2% truth in some of them. But this one, I really am starting to believe that he cost us Zach Harrison. In the grand scheme of things, Mazzy Smith, this Amber Cambria or whatever, the kid from Rice that we might get. Um, I mean, for God's sakes, we still have Carlo. We still have freaking, uh, we still have 19. Oh, my God. I hate being gooned up so much. I forget the cat's name. But we still have crazy talent on that. Oh, we still have young Hutchinson. Young boy Hutchinson, Aiden. I mean, we have talent on the defensive line. But Zach Harrison would have been nice. Greg Madison, I truly believe, fucked us numerous times. Now, I don't want to believe in the conspiracy theory, but it is a little weird that Zach Harrison, for months, was completely 100% Michigan. 100% everybody talked to Isaiah Hole, talked to anybody else you want to talk to or listen to uh, 24-7. They all were talking about Zach Harris being on the Wolverine train. Then, uh, man titties, uh, Sir Greyjoy, Greg Madison, decided he was going to talk to him and was sitting in his living room. With Al Washington, which I give Al a, a buy, I just give him a pass because what he was doing was completely opposite. Like he was our Greyjoy. We stole him when he really should have been a Buckeye. So if he's done some dirty deeds and he's, you know, he's screwed up some things, we should have seen that coming. Because you can't grow up a Buckeye, become a Wolverine, and always, you know, eh. You know, I mean, worked with Charles Woodson, but you never know, right? But Madison, being in Dallas, Texas, people, I read the fucking article, making fun of the Go Blue chant. You can't get more of a fucking bullshit, goddamn pussy. He's such a dickhole. I get it. Okay, they offered you more money. You weren't happy with how Michigan did things. You're friends with Urban Meyer. I get it. But to make fun of the team that fucking treated you like family for years, that's like, if i got to use a uh, Game of Thrones reference, that's like stringing up the two burnt boys and acting like it's fucking the, 
the start kids. It's bullshit. You don't do it, man. You don't make fun of the team that fucking took care of you. But we should have seen it happening because he went to fucking Notre Dame the first time. So why did we ever think he wouldn't go to to Ohio State? Especially when he uh, supposedly he's been good buddies with Urban Meyer. He's good buddies with Urban Meyer and we didn't fire him immediately when we found this out. Like, okay, all I know is we dominated an offensive line in Wisconsin. And you're telling me Wisconsin's line isn't as good as Ohio State's? Prince had no clue how to block anybody. The Minnesota defensive end was kicking his ass. His ass. That's right. The left tackle from goddamn Ohio State couldn't figure out where his ear hole was or his butthole was against that fucking defensive goddamn end at Minnesota, but yet he knew what Chase Winovich and fucking uh, Rashawn Gary were going to do. Quitty Pay, thank you, 19, I just remembered his fucking name. 19, Quitty Pay, you didn't know what he was going to do. Josh Uche, who dominated Wisconsin, dominated Penn State, but all of a sudden, Ohio State fucking understands everything we're doing. How do we not buy into this? Like, I don't want to think it's a conspiracy theory, but fuck, the proof is in the pudding, people. It's not like Ohio, it's not like Penn State and Wisconsin sucked. Miami had a very good fucking defense, by the way, the third in the goddamn nation, and Wisconsin shut them the fuck down. But yet, Michigan just bum-rushed those motherfuckers. And then all of a sudden, we got to think Prince, who didn't know where his butthole and his ear hole was, that all of a sudden he figured out he had the fucking, he got the goddamn Da Vinci Code little, uh, key reader that he's going to figure out our goddamn defense? Is that what you're fucking telling me? Is that what you're telling me? Really, that's what you're telling me. He couldn't figure out fucking Minnesota's defense, Nebraska's defense, Maryland's goddamn defense, but then he's going to know every goddamn move we have? Really? Really, that's what you're telling me? He's going to figure that out? The whole offensive line knew everything we were going to do. No wonder we couldn't get any pressure on them when Big Titties, fucking Greg Madison, Dr. Greyjoy, or whatever is feeding them everything we're doing. Is it a shock? It's not a shock, people. I hate to I hate to buy into conspiracy theories, but this one pays this one is too obvious to fucking overlook. We dominate Wisconsin's offensive line. Wisconsin, have you seen those kids? Those boys are the most athletic, big, strong, smart offensive linemen we have ever seen. They probably put more offensive linemen in the NFL than the big than the big together. I mean, they are prototypical offensive line, but we dominated them. Dominated them. Penn State, same thing. Dominated them. Even Michigan State, they're a joke, but we dominated them. But Ohio State, who allowed Nebraska, Minnesota, Maryland to just...
pistol whip those bitches like it was the opening scene in Pulp Fiction. Say what, motherfucker? Say what again? That's what we're. That's what every other defense was doing to the Ohio State offensive line. And then all of a sudden they're going to put it all together and they're going to stop the number one defense in the nation. And you don't think bitch titties fucking Greg Madison was over there spilling some fucking notes? He was making fun of the go blue chant. Something we all say to each other when we're in different cities and we just happen to see that block blue. That block M right on the hat with the with the blue. The maize and blue. And we're, we say, go blue. It's, it's comforting. It's something we do as a people, as a Michigan fandom. And that bitch titty motherfucker is going to go ahead and spill secrets. And we're going to let him pass? All because he wants to move on to greener pastures? Fuck that dude. He's 70. You're telling, yeah. And that goes, to, that, that's what drives me nuts. Is that he's such a good defensive line coach that you don't think our defensive line couldn't have figured out fucking Prince? We're talking about Chase Winovich, one of the smartest players in our team. And then Rashawn Gary, mix him up. Josh Uche, those dudes can't get past fucking Prince. Like, we haven't been, like, the secrets weren't spilled. Like, he didn't know what we were going to do. I don't know. This shit pisses me the fuck off. I'll tell you. I have no other proof than those three games. I don't. And then that jack wagon, ass face, making fun of our our fucking go blue call when he's around his little uh, buck nut asshole buddies. You know, that tells everything I need to ever know about Greg Madison. Fuck that dude. I can't wait till we play him next year and Josh Uche puts his fucking dick in his ear. I can't wait until our defensive line, Mozzie Smith, or whoever the hell we put out there, Uche, uh, uh, Carlo... I mean, any. I mean, Donovan Jeter. I mean, well, this uh, Louis Luigi Valane. I hear nothing but great things about that cat. I can't wait till our defensive line just butt fucks that offensive line for Ohio State. I can't wait, Greg Madison. You deserve everything that comes to you, everything, because you're a cheating, lying, dirt bally motherfucker. And I'll tell you, what happened to Greyjoy should happen to you figuratively. I'm not saying. That shouldn't happen to him physically because I don't promote violence. But I'm telling you, figuratively and out on that field, we should do everything we can to cut your junk off and send it to your goddamn daddy. That's all I'm saying. And like I always say, guys, I'm out of here. It is fucking great to be a Michigan Wolverine because we're on the upswing, baby. I can't wait till Sean Nua coaches this team the right way and we dominate the rest of the Big Ten the way we should be doing every fucking year with the talent we have. And Sean New is going to get us back where we need to belong because that dude's won a Super Bowl. Oh, what, Greg Madison used to wear a leather helmet made him play with Red Grange? Fuck that dude. He don't know shit. Sean New is young. He's going to get this shit together. He's going to be a better recruiter. We're going to, well, fuck Ohio. We don't need any of them dumb motherfuckers out of that state. You know what I mean? We don't need those dumb, nut-hugging motherfuckers over there. We don't need them. Fine. Get Ohio State out of here. We'll go fucking raid Florida and the South like with Big Daddy Gaddis. That's right. We'll get Campanelli, that little Italian motherfucker who can goddamn recruit like a badass motherfucker. That's right. If you can recruit out of with Boston College, you can recruit anywhere. 
Just wait till he gets the fucking maize and blue on and see how many dudes he pulls in. That's right. We don't need bitch titties. We're on our way, guys. Fuck that guy. I'm sorry. To, I got a little too crazy there. Sorry about that. <laughs> I'm not sorry. Fuck that guy. That's right. If forever and always, go blue. I love this team. I love this podcast. Thank you so much for everything you guys do. And I can't wait till we get up to 15,000 listens. Because I'll tell you, we're close to 8,000 now. And you guys are going strong. It is getting better each and every week. And I thank you so much for everything you do. And I'm out.